Jazz guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast, where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. Today's October 3rd, the Pirates 2021 season is officially over, and in true 2021 spirit, they failed to sweep a series. Let's go Bucks. Well, that's it. The 2021 season is over for the Pirates. They finished 61 and 101. So the 100 loss season was not avoided. Uh, but apparently, going to the game makes you lose your voice. So that's where I'm at right now. But the 100 loss season did not make this week all that bad, now did it? Ronzi Contreras and O'Neill Cruz make their MLB debuts this week. Our number two pitching prospect and our number two position player prospect. And if you missed the O'Neill Cruz hype, you actually, you actually missed out. So... Tonight, riding a little solo here. Uh, we did go to the games this uh, this weekend, not Friday night, but we went Saturday night and Sunday. Uh, Saturday night, very excited. Yelled a lot, which is why my voice is the way it is. But you know, it was a lot, it was a it was a great time. But I drove uh, after the game today, made the three hour drive back home to my house. Um, so Jake opted out of tonight. Uh, I will let you know that I got home after 10 o'clock, um, rain, all that stuff, loaded everything inside, took care of getting kids to bed a little bit. Um, most of that was, uh, my wife, but, <laughs> but you know, either way, um, it's after 11 and just now getting re- just now sitting down to do the recording and everything. Jake had already said, "Dude, I'm not going to be able to stay up that late." He had a long weekend. They did they did like this big yard sale thing in his town, so he did a lot of yard sale stuff. Um and then went to the games obviously the last 2 days and uh whatever. Uh I you know, I drove 3 hours in the rain and we both work in the morning, not just him. So, now I'm just taking advantage of an opportunity to give him a hard time. But, no, he's not here tonight, so this will be just me. Um, But luckily, it's not my normal voice, so it's not like you have to hear only me in my normal voice or whatever. (laughs) What a week. Um, It's kind of like, oh, it's the last week. That's really stinky because no more Pirates, no more Bay. I mean, we still get the postseason, but, you know, we're coming to a close here. And while the postseason is extremely exciting, uh, especially for me, I mean, I love the postseason. And so while it's really exciting and it's, it, and it's great in its own way, it's different from regular season baseball, from the idea that every day there's a ball game on. And it's okay if you miss it, but like at the same time, it's there for you. And that's what I love about baseball. I love the Sunday afternoon game, which just feels 
different. Like it feels not that it's less important, but sometimes it does feel that way. And all afternoon games, there's just something really cool about them, but they're also kind of like they're calm in that way. I love that about day games and about baseball games and all those things. You don't get that in the postseason because everything is like nail biter, edge of your seat, exciting kind of kind of idea. Um, so I'm going to miss regular season baseball as I do every year when it gets to this point. But anyway, you kind of hope the Pirates would avoid um, the hundred loss season, but they didn't, and we've talked about that in recent weeks. And whether it matters, whether it doesn't, all of those things. But either way. They lost their 100th game, and they lost their 101st game, but that was it. 61-101, the season's over, except for two people. Ronzi Contreras makes his Major League debut on Wednesday, and O'Neill Cruz on Saturday. These guys were in double-A this year. I'm probably going to be taking a lot of drinks. Oh, this voice is not in a great spot here. I actually thought it wasn't going to be this bad, but maybe just because it's getting later, it's getting more difficult. But anyway, very exciting. Um, the the debuts of these two guys who started off in Double A is a big deal, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into why this is kind of a big deal, and also how they did. Um, but we'll just go through the week because we had a we had a series wrap up happen on Monday from last week and it would have been I think six straight series sweeps it doesn't matter we lost the game Monday wasn't even close we got absolutely blasted 13 to 1 um and I'm guaranteeing we've been saying <laughs> side note we've been saying Ronzi Contreras all year before the season started it seemed like that was the consensus turns out it's Ronzi I guess Ronzi Contreras I'm going to do the same thing here. Uh, R-E-I-V-E-R. Raver? 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 San Martin made his Major League debut Monday against the Pirates for the Reds. Oddly enough. Um, He wins. He gets five strikeouts in, I think, five innings, five and two-thirds innings he pitched. Uh, and the Reds just absolutely pounded Overton, Ponce, Kyle Keller, and Shelby Miller. They all gave up runs, 13 runs in total. Um, but uh, San Martin, major league debut. They only got one run off of him, and it was scored on a wild pitch, so nobody even got an RBI on Monday. Uh, but, yeah. Then we go to play the Cubs. We come back home for our last six games of the year. Uh, Colin Moran hits his 10th home run. Turned out to be his last home run, which means Gregory Polanco was second on our team in home runs this season. So we can be excited about that, I guess. Uh, first inning Tuesday, Moran knocks a three-run homer. Mitch Keller ends up giving up six innings, six runs in four innings, but the Pirates were able to come back. Uh, four runs in the sixth inning, another in the seventh to get an 8-6 to six win. But then they lose the next two games. Three to two, nine to nothing. But on Wednesday, Ronzi Contreras was called up for his major league debut. Uh, they knew it was not going to be a long start. 
Uh, at first, I kind of thought, well, we don't have anybody else to start games. They're just bringing him up. They're going to give him a short start. Uh, he's still kind of coming back from from having some injuries. So I think everybody kind of understood he wasn't going to go six innings. Uh, he goes three scoreless innings. Uh, he gave up three hits and a walk, but he strikes out four batters. Uh, looks pretty good. I think it was a surprise. And so it seemed like it was a little less of a fanfare type thing on a Wednesday. Um, but I'm sure for him, it was huge. Um, but three innings, you're not going to get a win in three innings. And so I think that was kind of an understanding that that wasn't going to happen. But uh, really cool to see him get a get a, a debut this late in the year. And obviously... Not the only one with O'Neill Cruz being called up too, but it seemed to be not a big deal until the Cruz call up, and then it seemed to be more of a big deal. Um, and and we'll get into that again. We'll get into that. We're going to talk more about that Thursday. Nine nothing. Pirates lose their one hundredth game. Uh, not much to say. I mean, obviously we didn't score anything. The Cubs did, and it was stinky. So. Uh, lost the series to the Cubs, and then we move on to the Reds. And this series was all exciting, all of it. Even the loss on Sunday <laughs> for a few reasons. Um, but Friday night, Will Crow started the game, and he went six innings. He looked good. The, the best movement I've seen on his pitches all year Really, it, for Will Crow, who seemed to start games well and not be able to finish them, seemed to always struggle when it got towards the end of his starts and we had to get him out of there. Some were even just bad altogether. A roller coaster of a year for Will Crow. But that was the way to finish a season. Really impressive. Uh, six shutout innings, walked two, struck out nine. And I'm telling you, everything moved. Everything moved. And it was the best I'd seen him pitch. I think that was a way to say that was enough right there to, to tell me that he'll be in the rotation next year. I know that seems crazy out of one start, but he put in a lot of work. And the fact that it, the fact that it happened in the last game was enough to show that he's worth seeing more of, I think is is where I'm going with that. And I I I mean that's just that's just how I feel about it. We know that there's going to be a lot of changes because of all the 40 man roster stuff that has to happen. Will Crow did something on Friday night that that will go far. They'll look back at that all off season and say, you know what, this was a good sign. Uh, this game though. As far as the fans will be remembered as the Cole Tucker game, who may have done a lot of the same thing on Friday night, um, and really in the last you know couple weeks, uh, or at least the way he finished out the season. I mean, not like incredibly awesome at the plate, but enough to say, all right, he's shown versatility on defense, and he's shown that he can at least get. Uh, hot or maybe I mean I hope that's not him getting hot I hope that's 
like what you can expect. He seemed to look more comfortable at the plate, and I think he's uh, I think he's put a lot of work in this year, and I I think you'll see him. I think he'll get a, a further shot um, moving forward. I don't think he's getting knocked off the forty man. That's my opinion. It might happen. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it's going to though. He led off the game with a triple Friday night. He ends up scoring on a ground out, one nothing. In the third inning, he's shifted towards second base. There's a pop fly over Moran's head at first. It's down the line, um, maybe fair, maybe foul kind of a thing. Really goes a long way and dives and makes the catch, and it was a really good play for a second baseman. And he wasn't done. In the seventh, uh, he made one of the best players of the year, best plays of the year, no doubt. He's running straight out. The ball is hit directly over his head, running straight out towards right field. The runner at first is not tagging. He thinks there's no shot he gets to this ball. And he lays out diving. I mean, this ball's directly over his head, dives out and makes this play. And it was unreal, reminiscent of the Jim Edmonds play from the Angels a long time ago. If you remember that play, that means you're probably in your 30s, probably late 30s, mid to late 30s, if you remember that play. But it was like that. He was diving on a ball directly over his head. Uh, it better show up on some of the plays of the year when when that's all wrapped up. Certainly this week, unbelievable play unbelievable throws the first and gets the double play but that wasn't even i mean that's no surprise there's no reason to tag up on that he had no shot to make that play and somehow made it it was unbelievable um really can't stress enough how great this play was if you did not see it go back and watch it because this play was really really impressive from cole tucker uh he caps off his night in the eighth inning by hitting his second home run of the year and it was a grand slam. Incredible night. Um, but that wasn't it. Because you wake up in the morning and realize that last night, news started breaking that O'Neill Cruz was getting called up for Saturday. And, of course, obviously that's true. He got called up for Saturday to make his debut. And it was all about O'Neill Cruz. It, oddly enough, Brian Reynolds gets four hits, locks up the 300 batting average. He did not start the game on Sunday, but had he started, he could have gone 0 for 5 and still hit 300. And it was still all about O'Neill Cruz. <laughs> Even despite, I'll say the bad things first, despite almost throwing one away, uh, he actually threw one into the net in between innings just warming up, just launched one into the net. But he did show off a good arm, too, on a couple plays. And so that was that was good. He's got a great arm. It is a little wild. Uh, but he avoided making, making an error. We got the out on the one that he threw high. Uh, and he also made a really good throw on a double play where he just had to throw it hard. And they, they end up getting the double play. But at the plate is where we all want to see him. We want to see the power. We want to see him hit. He struck out twice with the bases loaded. Once again, start with the bad, end with the good. But he did get his first two hits. And the first hit, Kranich started off good, gave up some runs, 
De Los Santos gave up a home run. It's 5 nothing in the fifth inning. And Gamble gets on. Uh, Stallings gets like a check swing, punch, and Judy base hit to center field. And the whole rally starts with the first hit of O'Neill Cruz's career. A, just a ground ball through the right side. Gamble scores, and it sets off. Defoe after him, triples, Stallings and Cruz score. By the way, Cruz was over 30 feet per second, which is elite speed. Over 30 feet per second on his way from first to home. And Tucker singles in Defoe. Eventually, Michael Chavis doubles in Tucker and Brian Reynolds, who'd singled. All of a sudden, it's a 6-5 lead. Reds tie it up in the, in the sixth, in the bottom. Reynolds... Tripled in Yoshi to regain the lead. Tucker later walks with the bases loaded uh, in the next inning, I think, or or whatever, to complete it eight to six. And once again, we go into Sunday looking for a sweep, <laughs> and don't get it. But but Cruz goes two for five. He did get another single, and in that single, he hit the ball a hundred and eighteen point two miles per hour which is a Pirates record for StatCast, which I think goes back to like 2015. So yeah, we saw enough. Two for five, hitting a ball 118, getting his first hit, which was an RBI. Um, we saw enough from him that he looked good. He, he Sure, he struck out twice. Uh, that's He's 22 years old, almost 23. He'll be 23 by the time you guys are listening to this. But 22 years old, and it's his debut, and you know he wanted to hit a bomb. They had a lefty out there who threw some good pitches to him. And then uh, in his second one, he started off 0-2 and actually worked it back to 2-2, expecting another breaking ball. And just a you know good located fastball uh, froze him and struck him out on the other one. But either way, Pirates get the win. He gets two hits. It was very exciting. Go into Sunday... And basically, there was not much to to cheer for in this game. I mean, it was just kind of a slow game for the Pirates' offense, and the Reds did what they needed to do uh, to keep scoring. Once again, it was San Martin. He was very good again. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts. Um, usually, when you face a guy the second time. You can fare pretty well when it's that close to each other. Uh, but Sam Martin, his he made two starts so far in his career, both of them against the Pirates, and did really well both times. Uh, kudos to him. But O'Neill Cruz in the ninth inning hits his first home run of the year, a two-run homer. By the way, on an 0-2 pitch, a ball down in the zone goes down almost on one knee and just flicks his wrist, and it's at over 400 feet. Uh, an impressive home run at that, but it gets his first major league home run on Sunday, and it was basically all I needed to see to say, nah, I was fine. I was fine with this game. Fine losing 101. It didn't change anything. The Rangers still got the three seed. We got the fourth, or third, the third pick in the draft next year. We still get the fourth pick. If we had a one, it wouldn't have changed anything. So... As far as that kind of thing goes, it, it is what it is. Um, you've already got your 100th loss, so it's not like that was a 
oh, we lost 100 because we lost. O'Neill Cruz hits a home run. We got to see him hit a home run. He gets three hits. He gets his home run. I mean, ends the season 333, going one for four. Couple RBIs, uh, three RBIs on the year. I mean, I mean, it, who cares, right? It's two games. But this was a big deal because O'Neill Cruz getting a call up for just two games, it feels, okay, it's two games. What does it mean? What it means, as far as I'm concerned, is the, the, the stuff that Shelton said in the interviews, and, and I listened to a little bit on the way to the game. I turned on the radio, listened to a little bit of Sherrington talking about it, and basically they gave O'Neill Cruz, you know, obviously they talk to their players. They sit them down and they say, this is what I expect from you this year. He missed a lot of time. And uh, drink break here. He missed a lot of time with a hand injury. And yet he still, it was, there There was a plan set for him this year. And, you know, of course they asked Sheldon, what, what was his plan? He said, well, that's nice try. I think is what he said, nice try. Dude, you're not getting into those conversations, right? Those are between the, the coaches and the players. But they basically said, we gave him things to do, and he executed on his plan. And we wanted to reward him for that. I would guess one of those is strikeout rate, which was down to, I think, like around 22% in the minor leagues this year, which is decent. He's right around league average for a power hitter. He's going to be a guy who's going to strike out a good bit of times. That's going to happen. It's today's game. If we want the power that other teams have, we're going to have to live with the strikeouts that these guys have. Because if you're only looking at the fact that, oh, this guy had 40 home runs. Yeah, he struck out a lot too. And I know that as Pirate fans, we are very guilty, myself included, in what I'll be blunt in saying, living in the past. We still think that baseball exists the way that it existed in maybe the 90s, maybe the 70s. We expect players to stay in Pittsburgh. We give them a hard time about trading players or letting players go to free agency. Guys, listen, that's the way it works. It's This isn't the Willie Stargell days where guys can stay on your team for their whole career because they don't have a choice. It's not That's not the way it goes. Guys will go to free agency. They'll go to free agency because they want to go to free agency because that's part of their right. And that's okay. Guys do not play with the same team unless you're capable of doing something like the Yankees keeping Derek Jeter or the Dodgers keeping uh, Clayton Kershaw. Like those things can happen because those teams have a ton of money coming in on TV deals and whatever else. The fact that they're winning year in and year out and year in and year out. And they're in a huge market. Those TV deals are enormous compared to what the Pirates are bringing in. Not even close. That's what's paying these guys. That's why they're able to do these things. But also, the small ball stuff, is it's gone a little bit. It still exists. There is still a National League brand of baseball. But guys that hit home runs, 
also strike out. And that's that's the way it works. And if you want the home runs, you are going to have to learn how to accept the strikeout. They very rarely exist at the same time. What you do not want, what I do not want, an American League fan would probably disagree with this, but what I do not want is a team full of those guys. Oh, great, you've got a bunch of guys with you know, 20, 30, 40 home runs, but you strike out a lot. I think a good balance of power guys who are going to be prone to striking out and guys who don't hit a lot of home runs but are very hard. Kevin Newman is a, is a bad example in this, in this situation because of the fact that he's not hitting for a high average, but he also is very hard to strike out. It's very hard to find the players who are hitting 30-plus home runs and striking out less than 100 times. It's hard to find. Sure, Babe Ruth was capable of it, but Babe Ruth was uh, not usual, right? I mean, like, what he was able to do in not striking out 100 times and hitting 50-plus home runs is unheard of, and it doesn't happen even still. You know, that that's just the way it is i mean you want to look at some of these guys who are doing incredible things this year in fernando tatis and shohei otani and vladimir guerrero take a look at the the full line i mean shohei otani is a good example he hit what 46 home runs this year and everybody is freaking out about it and that's great it's a great year he hit 257, and so that's what you get with a lot of home runs, and that's okay. And he struck out 189 times. That's a lot of strikeouts. That's a lot of strikeouts. Now, compare that to, you know, our guy, which is Brian Reynolds, who ended up 302. He only struck out 119 times. I say only because that's still pretty good. That's still pretty good right now. He's striking out about 18% of the time. That's better than league average. So that's still pretty good. But that's a so when you say 18% of the time, Brian Reynolds' rookie year, he struck out 22% of the time, which is right in line. This whole story, bring it back home, right in line with where O'Neill Cruz was this season. In the minor leagues. Now that's also in the minor leagues, so he's got some work to do still. He's 22. <clears throat> and he's left-handed, which we know the lefties who face lefties, it's a little harder than the righties who face righties, maybe just because of the amount of times that you are facing a righty versus a lefty. And growing up, left-handed hitters don't face near as many lefties. Maybe that plays. Maybe that's why. But either way, O'Neill Cruz had things on his plate that he was asked to do. And he was able to do those things. He was close to hitting his 20th home run. He was close to stealing his 20th bag in the minor leagues this year, combined between AA and AAA. And that's with missing a lot of time. And they rewarded him by calling him up and giving him a couple of days in the major leagues, a little taste of it 
So going into next year, he has that. He's going to go into his off-season workouts or maybe some maybe even some some uh winter league or you know things like that like he's done that in the past and he would because he missed time he may play some baseball still this winter but he'll go into that with the idea that or or with the with the kind of that notch on his belt saying I got to play major league baseball this year that kind of gives you another level of something to work for as a player because you felt rewarded. I mean, think about that. You work really hard at something and you get to a thing and you say, that that hard work's going to pay off. How much better does it feel to say, I was rewarded for that and now I got a taste of something and you can ask anyone that that's that's got a taste or a cup of coffee in the majors, they want more. And that is going to, that's going to explode as far as his work ethic and what he was able to achieve in this year. That's going to make him work all the harder to get back because now he goes into this offseason saying, I want to make the opening day roster, not I want to make my debut in 2022. Now he wants to be there on day one. I don't know that he will, and I don't think that we should count on that. He, he's played six games at the AAA level. There's a very good chance he starts off next year at the AAA level. Now, we said that even about Key Brian Hayes. He only played 20-some games. We thought there was a chance he could start off in AAA, but they, they put him right there which was different. Neil Huntington would have never done that. Huntington probably wouldn't have brought him up, but he would have never made him start on opening day. So maybe, maybe it happens. I don't know. But the fact that he got that call up is already different from what we would have seen in the past. Huntington would have praised O'Neill Cruz for the work he did. He wouldn't have given him two days in the major leagues. He wouldn't have done it. And Sherrington has shown, and Shelton, if he's part of that decision-making, I, I assume he is, they have shown everyone else in the organization that they will reward you for doing things that you're asked to do. Now, I'm not saying, like, do what you're told, kind of a, a, a dialogue. But he was asked to, to achieve certain goals, and he was able to achieve them, and he was rewarded for that. Some would say he was rewarded for that by being, by being called up to AAA this year, but it went one step further. Now, he's already on the 40-man roster, him and Contreras both, so those moves were simple to make. But I can guarantee you that Mason Martin, who was on fire for a lot of the season, and then slumped pretty hard, striking out a lot when he was on fire and when he was struggling. A lot of strikeouts. I guarantee you that part of his discussion going into the offseason, coming into the new season in 2022, is going to be about lowering that strikeout rate. And Mason Martin, seeing what happened with O'Neill Cruz, is going to go into that season believing 
that if he can lower his strikeout rate, he's probably going to get rewarded with a cup of coffee or more at the major league level. And you can believe that because you've already seen it happen with O'Neill Cruz. And as a fan, we're going to look at this and say, we just saw this happen. We saw O'Neill Cruz at 22 years old get a call up in the middle of when he was looking really good in AAA and just at the end of a season as a reward. He could have went he could have went 0 for 9. And the Pirates would have still said, "No, no, no. No regret because this wasn't about winning games on Saturday and Sunday. This was about rewarding a player for achieving goals that were set before that were that were set in front of him to do. Kudos to Sherrington and Shelton for doing what they did, even with Ronzi uh, Contreras in this situation, because it also shows he was dominant, and he's already on the forty-man roster, so this was an easy thing to do. But also, the fact that they just went through with it and said, "You know what." You need to make one more start this year. It's going to be a short start. We're going to do it here because you were so good. He turned a lot of heads. They wanted to see him throw to some major league hitters. And he fared pretty well. Now, granted, those major league hitters were the Chicago Cubs after they got rid of all the good players. But either way, they're major league hitters who have actually been hitting the ball pretty well right now. They, They certainly did against the Pirates. But... That's why, that's why this is a big deal because it goes a lot further than winning the game Saturday and hitting a two-run home run on Sunday. And it goes further than even O'Neill Cruz being rewarded for his hard work. This shows us that the things that we've been talking about all year, about Sherrington being different than Huntington, about Derek Shelton, being different than, I mean, I tend to look back on Clint Hurdle's years and saying, I liked Clint Hurdle. Um, And that's, you know, that's a broad statement. Obviously there are things that you like about coaches. There are things you dislike. There are things you love and there are things you hate. And that's okay. Cause we're, I mean, like we're all going to have a different opinion. We're not all going to agree. Well, this, everything is, cut and dry these are if so he would just people would just adjust and fit that mold we're all going to say i don't like the way he takes out pitchers too early and somebody else might have the same criticism on the same manager and say ah he leaves him in too long because we're all different we all have opinions that's what's fine that's what's fine (laughs) we're all allowed to have our other opinions we don't need to, to hate people who disagree or have a different opinion about how long you leave a starting pitcher in for crying out loud. This is sports. Different opinions is what gives us something to talk about. I liked Clint Hurdle. I like Derek Shelton. He's showing different strengths than what Hurdle had. Um, And, you know, maybe when we have a good product on the field, we'll find different uh, weaknesses as well. I tend to give him uh, a bit of a pass on that. And we've had that conversation before. Um, when you have a bad team, how can you really tell if you're a bad manager? So I, I don't think you can. I I, I think uh, I think uh, Joe Nobody would be able to handle this pitching staff. 
You know what I'm saying? I, I think the point is made. But this this type of reward for a for a player who's I mean, he's our number two position player prospect, number three prospect. Uh Henry Davis is our number one position player. So you could even say non-catcher, like this was our guy. And he is certainly Mason Martin's got a lot of power. O'Neill Cruz is the premier power prospect that the Pirates have. And would probably say the premier power prospect they've had since Pedro Alvarez, who one year led the National League in home runs. So, obvious uh, major power. And you could, you know, some might say, well, what about Josh Bell? I don't think, I don't think that's, I don't think Josh Bell, Josh Bell uh, was supposed to be a complete hitter. There was power there, yes. And they all thought, well, it'll it'll come. The power will. I mean, and it did for him. Uh, the average never worked out the way that he thought it would. But, I mean, obviously, he has a lot more years to play, but I mean in Pittsburgh, right? I just mean while he was here. And it took him a little bit longer to, to develop that. Power usually takes longer uh, to develop. Um, recently, in the past, I don't know, could we even say five, ten years, that power has developed a lot sooner in more players, not just Ken Griffey Jr., right? We've seen a lot of young power, uh, and a lot of that goes to the way that it's being coached. So that's not necessarily as true as it used to be, but it's certainly not true with a guy like O'Neill Cruz. It's showing up. He's This was his age 22 season, and he essentially hit 20 home runs this year and was hurt for quite a while. So that's a good power showing for a young player. And for the fact of that being a, a player in our organization, that we haven't seen that. That's refreshing. O'Neill Cruz played in this season 62, 64 games combined with the minors and the majors. Um, 68 games. Uh, I wasn't counting the six in AAA. 68 games and was able to hit... Um, was able to hit, I believe, 20 home runs, I, I, I thought. Um, looks like 17. Uh, no, it looks like he had 18 home runs. So, 18 home runs. I thought that he was trying to get to uh, 20. but And maybe he was. Maybe he thought he could do it in the two games that he was going to have in AAA. But um, either way, uh, he, did have, he did have 19 steals. So, he was trying to get to 20. But I guess I thought he was one away from from 20 home runs as well. Either way, um, spoke too soon on that. That's, you know, 68 games, 60, so 70 games total if you count the two in the majors, and he had 18 home runs. Um, I mean, how many more? He could probably double that in a season, 140 games, and if he hits 18 home runs, and I mean, obviously this is a uh, an average generality type thing. I mean, you're close to 40 homers in 140 games. That's pretty good. That's big time power numbers that we haven't seen. I mean, certainly this year, our team lead in home runs was 24 
And number two was 11. We had three players get the double-digit home runs with Moran's 10th this week. That's awful when it comes to power. Granted, we knew that. We knew that we didn't have any power. This was a bridge year. So obviously it's good to see one of these guys show up and show that he's going to have a lot of power. I think we saw that. I mean, he had a ball on Saturday, 118 miles an hour. And he hits a home run on a 0-2 ball that was below the strike zone earlier today. So this is a good thing. I'm rambling a little bit, but this is a good thing. O'Neill Cruz showing up does more than show us that O'Neill Cruz could be a good ball player. It shows us that this front office is putting their money where their mouth is a little bit. They're rewarding players for doing good things. They're um, they're showing by doing that, showing the rest of the organization that this can be this can be your next move if you're doing the right things, and that's. That's very good. It's it's good for O'Neill Cruz. It's good for guys like Mason Martin and Rodolfo Castro. Got a lot of time at the major league level this year, uh, partly due to the fact that he was the he was the option, right? And he had a lot of struggle there. But for a guy who'd never played in AAA, he's fine. Uh, he hit some home runs. He had, I mean, that was a lot of fun. And he could do that more. I don't think that Rodolfo Castro is is maybe part of a starting lineup when the Pirates are are good, but he's certainly coming off the bench and and providing some pop. And he's going to play fine defense, and he plays third, he plays second, he can play short. So, I mean, he's showing that he could be a better version of what Wilmer Defoe's been. That's... I just think this is good. I think we're already seeing that. And that's a it's it's exciting. Think about think about the the potential of these guys making more moves. And and remember, O'Neill Cruz was on the 40 man roster already. So this was a move that wasn't difficult to make when you already have him on there. Shelton actually said, or uh, Sherrington actually said part of this was because it was easy to say they've been carrying an extra pitcher all year knowing that we were going to struggle to get innings out of our staff. And they felt like they could get through these last couple days without that extra pitcher. So this was a very easy thing to do to reward a player. That's fine. It still happened. And moving forward, we've... Okay, we've we're getting to the point where we're 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 only touching the surface of this 40-man roster problem or whatever you want to call it. But the fact that they're going to have to protect players and put them on the 40-man roster like they had to do with O'Neill Cruz and Rodolfo Castro, the fact that that's going to happen with guys like Mason Martin and um I, I don't remember all the players. I mean, we talked about a, a large list of players who need protected or else they could be picked up. Leo over Piguero, but I 
I tend to think that Leover Pagero could probably pass through the Rule 5 draft without being picked up. I don't know that they'll risk that, but I, I believe he probably would pass through that. But if he's one of them, once you're on the 40-man roster, that, that type of a move is a little easier to make. So even though I think that Nick Gonzalez might be further along than 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 Leover Pagero, Pagero may be the first one to get his debut only out of necessity, like Rodolfo Castro made his debut before O'Neill Cruz. Even though, you know, Rodolfo Castro wasn't even in our top 30 coming into this year. And O'Neill Cruz certainly was a top five. So things like that could happen more often going forward because of the fact that our 40-man roster is going to be riddled with these young players. So don't be surprised when Mason Martin makes his debut next year and and so on. And there's going to be a lot of guys dropped off the 40-man roster maybe soon, maybe in the coming weeks. Probably not till after the, the offseason's over, but maybe very soon. Uh, and we're going to talk about that as we get further. Next week, uh, Jake will be back. We will probably do some sort of uh, season recap in a way. I know what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some of those predictions that we made, some of those uh, you know, season-ending predictions. Uh, I don't remember what they even were. We're going to go back and listen to those early prediction episodes, and we're going to go through some of that, which should be fun, but also do some sort of season recap to say how we did. Obviously, we lost 100 games, and we actually thought that the team was good enough not to do that. Um, we were certainly wrong pitching. I, I believe I even said the pitching staff will, will probably be the reason. Um, I would have thought our offense would have been better despite the pitching staff, had our offense been better, I think we may have still been good enough to avoid 100 losses. Colin Moran, missing a lot of time, sure. Uh, Key Brian Hayes, missing a lot of time, sure. That probably plays. Moran, even when he was there, didn't have the power that we expected to see. Uh, Wasn't effective uh, the way that he would have liked to be and the way that we thought he would have been. And I think you can credit uh, you can credit a lot of injury problems to that. Certainly, Key Brian Hayes showed by injuring his wrist again, kind of hurting his wrist. They say it's not part of the same thing, but if you've ever had anything hurt, you know that compensating. You know what I mean? Compensating for one injury a lot of times flares up another. And um, not saying that's what happened, but it's very possible, and I'm sure that, that that injury, anytime a player is dealing with injuries, it's very uh, common for them to struggle in other ways. So maybe those things play. Maybe the fact that we didn't get anything out of Newman that we thought we would. We did get some good things out of Stallings. I think offensively was better, but um, yeah, we're going to, kind of get into those things, look up those numbers and get into those things next week. And then obviously just react to a lot of uh, moves. that are about to be made this off season CBA junk 
that's bound to happen this season. Um, but hey, let's finish off this episode. I hope that I didn't absolutely bore you uh, with with it just being me. I know this was a super exciting. Uh, this was a super exciting time with O'Neill Cruz getting this call up and kind of proving that this regime, this front office regime, is in fact different. It's a big deal, and this is proof. This offseason, the fact these last two days even happened, this offseason becomes way more exciting and not depressing because of 100 losses. Instead, it's like, hey, guys, there is hope. O'Neill Cruz is only a part of this. There is hope. There is young guys coming, and we believe that this is a big step in development, in building um, trust in those guys that if you do your job, you're going to get rewarded for it. it. It's it's a big deal. But I'll finish this off saying a lot of the standings that we knew were going to happen happened. Tampa Bay finished it off. They won the, the AL East. The Red Sox and the Yankees made it in. There was a lot of chaos that could have happened with the Mariners and the Blue Jays. It did not happen because Boston and New York took care of business. So the Yankees will play the Red Sox on Tuesday for the AL wild card. Obviously going to be a mega game with it being the Red Sox and the Yankees. I like the fact that only one of them will get into the series because then it won't be all you know, Red Sox-Yankees, so that's good. The White Sox are, are moving forward. Um, the Houston Astros moving forward. We already knew that those guys had those things locked up, um, so they, they did. The Seattle Mariners won 90 games, and they're going to be good in the next few years. Like, like they will be good for the next few years. Watch out for them. Atlanta, in fact, did win the NL East. They finished up what they needed to do uh, over, the, over, the, over the Phillies. Milwaukee, we already knew. St. Louis, with that unbelievable run at the end of the year, they will be hosting the wild card game against the Dodgers. The Giants needed just one win. They got their one win, and... So they will play whoever wins the 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 Dodgers and um, and the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals are not hosting. I said that they were going to host. They're not hosting. They're going to L.A. to play the wild card game. And I just got to say that is absolutely terrible that the Dodgers win 106 games and have to play a one game wild card game. It's absolutely stupid. Once the seeding is completed, it should be reseeded. It's absolutely terrible. It should be St. Louis versus Atlanta. And because Atlanta won their division, they should be the home team despite the fact that St. Louis was a better team and won two more games. They should still have to go to Atlanta to play that game. It's absolutely terrible that the Dodgers win 106 games and have to play a one-game playoff. It's absolutely stupid. 106 games. You win 106 games. The second best team in all of baseball by a long shot, by six games over the race. But even by a lot more than that, 
by 11 games over the next division winner, who was the Brewers with 95 wins. Absolutely terrible that they have to play a one-game playoff. But that's the way it goes. And the Dodgers knew that, and they almost won their division. They were only a game out from the Giants. The Giants, who I did not believe would even get into the playoffs, are Major League Baseball's best team with 107 wins, which is their franchise record, uh, which is crazy. Absolute great year by the Giants. But um, but the Dodgers and the Cardinals will play on Wednesday for the National League wildcard. So at least watch those two games. See how things go for you. If you're not a baseball fan and you're just a Pirates fan, which I doubt that you're listening to this and you're only that, but should be a great week of baseball this week for those games. And then I think uh, Friday starts the divisional uh, playoffs and everything. So um, we'll get to update on a little bit of that next week, but uh, mostly just kind of like a Pirates recap. So that's all I'm going to have for today. Uh, Solo episode with no voice. I hope this isn't absolutely terrible for you. I I hope that you don't think that you just wasted uh, an hour or so (laughs) of your week, but I don't think so. I think the O'Neill Cruz thing, if you've heard anything I've said and Jake said throughout this entire year and all those other people that are talking about the Pirates who, who speak positively, this sort of thing is exactly what we expected to see. And I think it's just, I think it's just good. And I think it's a, a reason to be hopeful going into this offseason and a reason to be hopeful for seeing how they improve next year. I don't think that, I I mean, we have no idea. It depends on what happens with this pitching staff. Could it be another 100 loss year? Maybe. I I tend to think no, but maybe. But even even if it is, I still think it's going to look a lot different come 2023, 2024. I think we're going to be... By 2023, we're going to be looking to be a 500 club. Regardless of what the record is next year, I believe that will be the progression because there will be more guys like O'Neill Cruz coming into the scene next year. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. Let's go Bucks. I mean, seriously, go look up that catch that Cole Tucker made Friday night. It it, it was so good. And and just go check out all these O'Neill Cruz highlights. Check us out on Twitter. All the things. Twitter's mostly. Instagram. Facebook. Bridge to Bucktober. Let's go Bucks. Talk to you guys next week. Let's go, Bucks.